Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. We're in a sermon series. If you haven't figured it out, today's Super Bowl Sunday, and it just happens to be the title of our series is Off the Bench, so we were having fun. We said, hey, let's all wear our jerseys today to kind of go along with our series off the bench. And we've been in that series. This is our second week. Uh, we've been studying the life of Joseph. And the title, Off the Bench, is referring to the thought of being called into action. It's the idea of spiritually engaging into Christian service. How do I get into the game? And how do I make a difference? Joseph's life is a story of redemption. It really represents God's faithfulness through all situations. It's a story of how God can use every part of your life and turn it around and use it for his purpose and for his glory. Last week, we discussed about the idea of getting to the bench. Basically, the idea is getting on the team. I mean, how do I make the team? We talked about getting to the bench. This week, we're talking about what do I do when I'm on the bench? What, do I, what am I called to do when I'm on the bench? Previously, we read about Joseph's life. And Joseph, if you remember the story, he had a dream. It was a pretty powerful dream uh, where the the wheat were bowing. He was a bale of wheat, and the other wheat was bowing down to him. Basically, he was going to be made king and ruler. And he told his brothers this dream. He told his fathers this dream. And his brothers were extremely jealous of him because he was the favored one. Jacob, his father, loved Joseph more than any of the other sons. And everybody knew that. And Jacob gave Joseph this beautiful coat. And so because of the jealousy of the brothers, they decided they were going to kill their their younger brother, Joseph. But instead of killing Joseph, they decided to sell him to a bunch of traders, Midianite traders that were coming through at that point, and they were heading down to Egypt. They sold him to, their tra- to, their, uh, to these traders, and then they, what they did is they ended up taking Joseph's coat that was so precious, that the one that the Jacob, his father, gave to him, they took that coat, they killed a goat, a young goat, put blood all over that coat, and then they sent that coat back to Jacob. When Jacob saw the coat, He for sure, he just assumed that Joseph had been killed and eaten by a wild animal. But in reality, we know what took place in the story is that actually Joseph was sold into slavery, and now we find him in Egypt, and he's in the household of Potiphar. Now, we're going to take a few moments here. We're going to be reading from chapter 39 of Genesis. And if you have your Bibles here today, I encourage you to open them up because we're going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to actually take a few moments and read this entire chapter. We don't do that too often, but I feel like it was such a powerful story. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to just paraphrase it. I want to read it to you today. If you don't have your Bibles here today, we have it up on the screen as well that you can follow along. But starting in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was a captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, remember that phrase. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of this Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and, re- and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. 
He put him in charge of his entire household, everything that he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affair ran smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food he wanted to eat. Man, I need a Joseph in my life. Okay, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. You didn't know the Old Testament is full of all these kind of stories, did you? They're pretty, they're pretty interesting. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants, soon All the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my house or into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran out and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all of the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. Here is a prisoner in charge of the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Seems like we heard that before. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that Lord... You would take the word that's written down on paper. I would pray, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that it would come alive in our hearts and our minds today. That, Lord God, they don't just remain words written on paper. That, God, they would take on a rhema. They would take on a power, Lord God, in our lives that would start to change us from the inside out. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? The first thing I want to share from this story is this. You need to recognize that the Lord is with you. Four different times in this scripture, it says that the Lord was with Joseph. Many times when we are on the bench, we forget that the Lord is with us. 
Joseph recognized God's anointing on his life. He never quit, nor did he ever just rest on his successes. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, get, he didn't get upset because of the failures, and he, he didn't change because he had successes. He recognized that the Lord was with him. Amen. Joseph continued to allow himself to be used by God, no matter what his circumstances or his position might be. The scripture clearly states that the Lord was with Joseph when he was in Potiphar's house. And the Lord was with Joseph when he was in prison. The Lord's presence was with him. I would even dare say, I would dare say the Lord's presence was with Joseph when Potiphar's wife was trying to seduce him. Because it was the power of the Holy Spirit that gave him the power to say no to her and run out of that house. Four different times in this one chapter, it states that the Lord is with Joseph. I was praying about this message this week, and this message came together so smoothly for me this week. I was just praying, and, and God just started to download to me, and I started thinking about the presence of the Lord. How the presence of the Lord is what's life-changing for you and for me. It's not our circumstances, it's not our jobs, it's not everything else that we can have in this world. It's the Lord's presence. Joseph recognized that there is success in the Lord's presence. It didn't matter if he was in Potiphar's house, it didn't matter if he was in prison. Guess what? He had success because the Lord's presence, the Lord's anointing was on his life. Could it be the reason that Genesis 39 mentions it four different times? That the Lord was with Joseph is to remind us that the Lord is with you and with me in the good times and in the bad times. Because if you're looking from the outside in and you're looking at Joseph's life, now remember, he is hated by his brothers. He is sold into slavery. He comes and he, gets, he becomes a slave, a servant in Potiphar's house. And then his, his Potiphar's wife falsely accuses him of trying to rape her. And then he is sent to prison. Now, if you're looking from the outside in, you're thinking, this guy is not blessed by God. You're thinking, this guy is cursed by God. You see, perspective is very important to have. Because see, the Lord was with Joseph in all the bad times and the good times. The Lord's presence never left him. Looking at this story without any other context than slavery and imprisonment, you would think this guy is just completely messed up. Yet four different times in this one chapter reminds us the Lord is with Joseph. Let me remind you today, just because you're going through troubles, just because you're going through difficulties, just because you have things in your life that you're going like, what in the world is taking place? Can I remind you today that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that the Lord is with you today? That his presence is with you today? God declared to the nation of Israel, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious, my victorious right hand. That is a promise that we can hold on to. Because guess what? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then guess what? You are a part of God's team. You are a part of God's people. I was praying about this message and I started thinking as I, this message was developing in my heart. And I started thinking, we need to change our thinking. 
We need to change the way we think. We need to stop thinking negative. We need to stop thinking that, man, the world is falling around me. We got to start standing in the presence of God and understanding who God is in our life. We need to catch this thought. We need to stop wallowing in God's presence. This hit me so heavy this week. Wallowing, meaning this, self-pity party. Oh, man, look at me. I'm so, you wouldn't believe that what happened to me today. Oh, my gosh, it was so bad. And you have this little self-pity party on yourself. And you go, do you realize that you're in God's presence? Yes, Let me put it a different way. Do you realize that you're standing in God's presence? I believe in my spirit, and the Lord is just downloading this to me. He's just awake. Maybe you're on the bench because he's waiting for you to stand up in his presence. Maybe it's time to say, you know what? No more devil. We just got done with that series. No more devil. I'm going to stand in your presence. Think about it. The spirit of God living inside of you. It's time, people, that we need to stand up and recognize that God is with us. You need to stand up and recognize that God is with you today. Maybe you, some of you need to stand up right now. I'm just telling you right now, I feel it in my spirit right now that you've been going through difficulties and you're, you're thinking, about, man, my life is so difficult and you're starting to wallow in the difficulties of your life instead of standing in God's presence and saying, no, 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 I get it. Lord, you're with me in the good times and the bad times. I recognize your presence today right now, Lord. I recognize who you are in my life. I'm not gonna lie to the difficulties and the troubles and all those other things that try to drag me down. God, I'm standing in your presence. I'm standing right now in the presence of God. I'm physically standing right now in God's presence. I'm telling you, I feel it in my spirit right now. I don't usually do this. Some of you right now need to stand. Some of you, you've been going through difficulties and troubles And God is just waiting for you to stand in his presence and say, you know what? No longer are those difficulties and those troubles going to take me down. I am recognizing God's presence in my life. When Paul and Silas were in Philippi and a mob grabbed them because Paul had delivered a, a woman from an evil spirit, Paul and Silas were just trying to do their thing, preaching the gospel, preaching the good news of Jesus. Because Paul delivered, he got tired of this woman who kept on speaking to him, and he finally just delivered the evil spirit out of her. her. Man, I wish I, I do have that power, by the way, so don't be coming and speaking evil to me. I'll just, Jesus in me. You guys have power? Come on, Jesus living. We're talking about the presence of God, guys, the anointing of Jesus. Paul and Silas, all of a sudden, a mob gathers around them, takes them, drags them into prison. They've been severely beaten. Beaten, I mean, with rods. I mean, when they beat back in those days, they beat you almost to death. They could have been wallowing in their difficulties. They could have been wallowing in self-pity. If anybody had the right at that point, I would think Paul and Silas would have had the right. You know what you find them doing? They're singing praises to God. Don't, don't ruin my punchline. They're singing praises to God. 
they're out there. And I started thinking about it. I started praying. You know what took place? You know why they were not wallowing? Do you know why they were not having a self-pity party? Because even through the difficulties, they recognized that they were standing in the presence of God. And they finally find themselves. They're praying and worshiping and singing hymns. It says in Scripture, they're being blessed. And all of a sudden, the power of God came down upon that prison and broke them free. You want to be broken free from things? You want to be broken free from addiction? You want to be broken free from pain in your life? You want to be broken free? Then understand that you're standing in the presence of God. There's no longer a need for you to wallow in your difficulties. You have God in you. Don't look at your circumstances. Look at Jesus Christ. We need to remember God with us. You might feel like you're on the bench, but maybe God put you on the bench for a reason. Maybe it's to take, take the time to recognize that God's presence and favor is all over your life. Maybe he has on the bench so that you are getting prepared for the next opportunity he's going to bring into your life. Never waste the bench times of life. I believe God designed the bench times for his purpose. He gives, us, he gives you an opportunity to prepare spiritually for what he has planned next. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we just need to praise God a little bit more. Amen. We just need to stand up and praise Jesus yeah. a little bit more. Hallelujah. We just need to say, God, you are my Savior, you are my Lord. I thank you for who you are in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Second thing I want to share with you today is the Lord's presence produces your success. One of the greatest truths that we can attain from Joseph's story is that true success comes from God. Not just temporal success, but I'm talking lasting success. It's understanding that the game of life is more than just one play. It's understanding that the game of life is not just about one play that's unsuccessful or one play that's successful. The game of life is the entirety of your life. Amen. How many times is Super Bowl Sunday? We're going to go watch a football game this week, or some of you guys are. Some of you don't give a rip about football, and that's fine too. Amen. In fact, bless you so much. Bless you more. But how many times, if you're a football fan, how many times you've been watching a football game and all of a sudden the team, you think, man, that team has it in the bag, man. It, they, they're dominating. This game is over. And you turn off the TV, you walk away, and, and all of a sudden you start seeing on your social media, they came back, they're winning the game. And I go, what in the world? In the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, they, everything gets turned around. And it's because the team that was winning all of a sudden got relaxed. They went into a prevent defense. I hate prevent defense. All of a sudden, they just start, we're just going to slow them down from scoring. We're not going to stop them from scoring. We're just going to slow them down a little bit. Worst strategy ever. To go in the, all of a sudden, you see the players, the opposing players, instead of, when they're tackling, instead of hitting someone with force, all of a sudden, you start seeing them just kind of drag down a guy. They, they're thinking about, I don't want to get injured before the end of the game. They stop playing with confidence, and they start playing timid. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you see the opposing team come back, and they win the game. So many times, we abandon what made us successful. I'm going to say it again. So many times, we abandon what made us successful. 
I've seen it over and over and over in the church again and again and again. Someone gets excited about Christ and they start praying. They start giving their life to Jesus. Things start to get going really, really well. And all of a sudden, man, I've got all this in a bag of chips. And they start walking on their own and things start to fall apart. And they wonder what took place. It's because you stopped recognizing the presence of God in your life. I'm speaking to myself as much as I'm preaching to anybody else here today we got to recognize the presence of God in our life more and more ever before. It is his presence that makes us victorious. Joseph recognized God's presence. He brought success into his life. He took God's presence with him wherever he went. He didn't want to be sold into slavery. He didn't want to be falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. He didn't want to be thrown into prison. But during those times, he remained faithful and allowed God's presence to lead him into success. There are times where it might feel like, man, you're sitting on the bench. But during those times, it's important to remember that God's presence is on your life. He's in your life. And he's going to bring true meaning and success into your life. At times, it can feel like, man, the productivity of your life is just nothing. I'm sure Joseph felt that at times. But he remained faithful. God will bring the success. I don't want to get ahead of myself for next week, but I'm telling you, it requires faith. To get, you got to have faith to believe that God's presence is with you, and he's going to bring the success. I read a great insight this week, and man, it spoke to my heart. Psalms 23 is one of the most beautiful psalms that King David has written. Come on, Lord is my shepherd. It's a psalm written about how God's presence and faithfulness remained with David even through his darkest days. Even through his darkest days, his presence, God's presence remained with David. At the end of the Psalms, it ends this way, Psalms 23, 6. It says, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Did you notice how it is written? Surely goodness and love will follow me. Did you notice it doesn't say, surely goodness and love will lead you? This is important. It will follow you. It's talking about the grace of God. David's talking about the grace of God on his life, that all of a sudden the goodness and the love of God follows him. And guess what? Even all the troubles and all the difficulties and all the things that happen in life, guess what? Surely goodness and love will follow me. It starts to correct all those things that happened. David was not a great guy sometimes. I don't know if you know that, but yeah, he had a heart after God. But he knew how to be faithful to God. He knew how to repent to God. He knew how to pour out his heart to God. And surely goodness and mercy, or we want to put love in there, will follow him. Not just for today. It says for all of his life. The grace of God, when you start understanding the presence of God on your life, guess what? The presence of God will take care of problems of your past. And that's Joseph's life. Think about Joseph's life. Thrown into prison, sold as a slave. At the end of his life, when he's facing his brothers, when they don't even know that that's Joseph yet, and he's talking to his brothers, and he's saving his brothers from famine. And he tells in these words, it's where we get it from Scripture. He says, what God meant for, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned it around for good. Surely goodness and love will follow you all 
the days of your life. If you have the presence of God in you, guess what? Surely goodness and love will follow you. It doesn't matter what it might look like. It doesn't matter what your job might seem. It doesn't matter if it seems like your marriage is falling apart. It doesn't matter if your kids don't seem to be serving the Lord right now. It doesn't matter if someone doesn't love you. It doesn't matter if you have unforgiveness or someone has unforgiveness. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you. You see, what took place even in Joseph's brother's lives, they were wicked people. I mean, I've never thought about killing my brother or my sister. Eh, No, neither one. Neither one. I can say it honestly. Maybe when I was like, no, neither one. Even Joseph's brothers recognized the power of God towards the end of their life. Why? Let's think about it, guys. Everything that Joseph touched changed. Potiphar's household changed. The prison changed. When he got in touch with his brother's change of heart, what takes place in a person's life, how God can use you, When all of a sudden you allow God's presence to be in you and you recognize his presence instead of wallowing in your difficulties, watch out. God will change the lives even around you. It's a promise. Goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. Never disregard those times in life where it might might seem to you that you're just sitting on the bench. During those times, God is at work within you. Psalms, in, in Psalms it says, God will not reject a, reject a broken and a repented heart. The bench provides a place of humility, it, which is, much, is what's so much needed in our lives. The whole experience of, life's, of Joseph's life is an experience of humbleness, of humility. Think about it. He has this huge dream as a 17-year-old boy. And then he's, so, then he's hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, goes into prison, all these things. You want to talk about humbleness, being in a place of humility? You see, humility is the ability to recognize that your success comes from God. Amen. Everything that was taking place in Joseph's life, he recognized that only you, Lord, and it says it in the scripture, that, he, that God blessed Potiphar's house for Joseph's sake. That's what it says. See, humility is recognizing this is not, pride is thinking, oh, see what I've done? Oh, see, it's all by my hands. Humility is recognizing God's presence, that God made you successful. Jesus says in Matthew 23, 12, he says, says these words, whoever exalts themselves will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Throughout scripture, you will find that humility comes before honor. Joseph was definitely experiencing humility throughout his journey in life, yet he remained faithful to God. The reason humility is so important in our lives, if you haven't figured this out yet, I'll keep on sharing. If there's anything you want to catch today, catch this, okay? The reason that humility is so important in our lives is because it makes room for God's presence. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humility makes room for God's presence in our life. Joseph received favor because he recognized that his success was a direct result from God's presence. 
Never underestimate God's presence and power working in and through your life. The third thing, last thing I want to share with you today. Choose to faithfully serve where you're planted. The three things out of this chapter 39 that I wanted to share with you about what do you do when you're on the bench, when life feels like you're on the bench, this is the last one. Choose to faithfully serve where you're planted. Notice that Joseph served faithfully. He didn't, it didn't matter that his dream wasn't coming to fruition at that point. He continued to, continued to serve God faithfully. Look at verse 6. This is during the time that Joseph is a servant working at Potiphar's house. And verse 6 says that Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. Why would Potiphar give a servant, a servant, the responsibility of being over everything, every administrative thing that he had, he put Joseph in charge. And verse, the next verse tells us why. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food he wanted to eat. Joseph choose, chose to serve faithfully wherever he was planted. Catch this thought. Even to the point of being righteous to Potiphar, he chose to serve faithfully. Even when Potiphar's wife came and wanted to sleep with him, guess what? Joseph remained faithful. Even Potiphar got so angry with Joseph because he thought that he had actually tried to attempt to rape Potiphar's wife. He threw him to prison. Guess what? Joseph remained faithful both to God and to Potiphar. He remained faithful to where he is planted. I believe without a doubt that God honored Joseph for his faithfulness. Catch this. Yet from the outside, looking in, you would have thought that God was cursing Joseph. From the outside, looking in, you would have thought, man, Joseph's life is a shambles, and yet God was blessing him. You see, it's hard for us to wrap around our, our mind. Even, though, even when we know the story, it's hard to wrap it around it. But Joseph had to go to prison because he had to meet the baker and the butler. If you don't know the story, read the story. He had to meet them because that's when all of a sudden the dream that God gave to Joseph was going to be fulfilled is when he met that baker and the butler. It changed everything. we got to put our faith and our trust in God. Joseph remained faithful where God planted him, even while in prison, even when it felt like he was on the bench. As we can see in Joseph's life, he once again rises to prominent position because of his faithfulness. It states that the warden put Joseph in charge of the entire prison. He was in charge of all the other prisoners, in charge of everything that took place in that prison, a prisoner overseeing the prison itself. The scripture once again states that the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Joseph was faithful to where he was planted. He was faithful to God. And we soon learn that Joseph is raised to the second position of command in all of Egypt. The only person higher that had more authority than Joseph was Potiphar himself. Why? Because I believe Joseph remained faithful to the promises of God. Joseph made a healthy choice, a faithful choice. In those times where you think you're just sitting on the bench, just remember to be faithful on that bench. Because on the bench is where character is shaped. On the bench is where humility is developed. On the bench is where God 
can redirect your life for his purpose. Joseph never wanted to waste an opportunity while he was on the bench. He made every opportunity possible when he was sitting on that bench. Some of us, I'm just sharing, I'm sharing from my own heart too. We get on the bench and we start twiddling our thumbs. We start, we start thinking, man, I don't, I don't have much to offer. And God's just waiting for us to get off the bench. He's waiting for us, even while we're on the bench, just to start sharing faithfully. I had a gentleman last week that shared with me. He said, you know, one of the ways that all of a sudden, you know, if you want to get off the bench, he said, every time a player got up, he said he remembers sliding closer to the coach. You get, keep going closer to the coach. Player got up. You go, it's like, player got up. You, get, you, get going. you see, what takes place is this. A coach knows when a player is ready to play. A good coach, a good coach knows the heart of his players. And I'm declaring to you today that when you start recognizing the presence of God in your life and stop looking at the troubles and the difficulties and you recognize, I am standing on holy ground. Wherever you stand, if you have God's presence with you, you are on holy ground. And you start recognizing that you're standing in the presence of God. Guess what? He can take you to the next level because all of a sudden your heart is aligning with his heart. God knows your heart. He knows who's ready to get into the game. Today, my declaration to you and to me, myself, to myself as well, is just to declare it to this. Let's get into the game. If you're on the bench, and sometimes, man, I felt like I've been on the bench almost all my life. Guess what? Let's get in the game. Let's take advantage of the times we're on the bench. Let's be faithful and watch what God can do in and through our lives. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word today, and I pray, God, that it will not return void. But today, Lord God, your word, Lord God, will challenge our hearts. It'll encourage us, Lord God, even as we go home. Lord God, this word of your presence in our life, the recognition, Lord God, knowing that, Lord God, we do not do this thing alone, God, but that you are with us. And God, I pray, Lord God, as we continue to honor you, as we continue to be grateful for who you are, as we continue to praise you, as we continue to worship you, Lord God, even through troubles, even through difficulties, even through pr the problems of life, when we start to put, point you first, Lord God, in our life, when we start to not worry about the problems, but we just start to worry about our relationship with you, when we start to be faithful to you, God, even while we're on the the bench. Lord God, you're going to take and you're going to do the miracles, Lord God, in our lives, in and through our lives. I thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. I praise you today, Lord God, for your grace and your goodness. If you're here today, eyes closed, head bowed for just a moment. If you're here today, if you've never committed your life to Christ, just raise your hand real high because I want to say a prayer with you. If you're just saying, Pastor Tom, I need to just get right with God. I just need to turn my life over to him. Raise your hand real high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Second request. If you're here today, eyes closed, heads bowed for just, I'm old school, guys. That's okay. I know I don't look that old, but I'm old school, okay? If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Tom, I've gotten into a routine where Instead of recognizing God's presence in my life, I just am recognizing his, the problems that are in my life. 
And if you need to reverse that around today, I want to pray with you today. And I just want you to raise your hand real high and just say, Pastor Tom, that's me. All I see sometimes is problems and difficulties and the troubles. And I just need to see his presence in my life more than ever before. Hands all over this place. Lord Jesus, you recognize every hand and you see the need. God, I have my hand raised as well. I pray over each and every one of us today, God. That, Lord God, when troubles and difficulties come into our life, Lord God, we will not surrender to those things. But God, we will understand like Paul and Silas understood in the prisons that, Lord God, they were standing on holy ground because your presence was with them. I pray, God, today, this week, Lord God, like never before, when problems and difficulties might come our way, that, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you will remind, that you will quicken to our mind, Lord God, that your presence is with us, that all we are responsible to do, Lord God, is be faithful to you, and, God, that you will work out the rest. God, I pray that over our lives today. I ask it, Lord God, to take place right now in Jesus' name. For those who raised their hand for salvation, at the end of the service, we're going to have some prayer time. But it is as simple as this. It's just to ask Jesus to come into your life. And you choose to say no to sin. And you choose to follow him. And his grace covers your sin. And you just start walking in his righteousness. If you have questions about that after the service, come up to the front. Our prayer team is ready. And we would love to just be able to pray with you. Eyes open. Look up to the front. Is God good today? All the time, He is good. Amen? Can I share something with you? We're going to be starting a Saturday night service coming up here on Easter Sunday. And it's time for some of us. You might be on the bench right now. You all are on the bench because you're sitting in the pews right now. Okay, so there you go. But I'm going to be calling some of you guys out. And I need some of you guys just to come to me or come to Stephanie or come to Brad or come to... And just, Man, I'm ready to get off the bench, Pastor Tom. I'm ready to start serving. And maybe even serving still being on the bench for you. I don't care. But let's, start, let's just start being faithful to Jesus and watch what he can do for the rest. Amen? God can do miraculous things in and through our lives. So I just want to say a big thank you to each and every one of you for being here today, sharing this experience where we can come together as a body of believers. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.